Have you been scrolling through many, many, many film podcasts thinking there's far too many of these? Or have you been thinking there's something missing? There's something we're not quite getting. A waffler from Northern England reviewing films, for example. Welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. No politics, no pandering, no point. Welcome to Review It Yourself. Today's film is The Queen from 2006. And it begins with a quote from Henry IV, part two, which uneasy lies the head that wears a crown. The film's written by Peter Morgan, who later went on to create The Crown, Netflix's uh, series about the royal family. And it was directed by Stephen Frears, who's a well-known English director. And he's directed a, a few a few films. He directed uh, a very English scandal that was on TV a couple of years ago. He also directed The Deal, which is 2003, which is was about the pact between Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. And that was Michael Sheen's first appearance as Blair. And yeah, so, so let's get on with reviewing the film. So it, as I've just mentioned, it includes Michael Sheen as Tony Blair. Helen McCrory, I can never get this right. Helen McCrory, um, the actress who was done a lot of things. She's been in Peaky Blinders. She was also she also played Narcissa Malfoy in the Harry Potter films, and she recently passed away. Uh, she plays Cherie Blair, the Queen Elizabeth II. Her Majesty's played by Helen Mirren. Prince Philip is played by James Cromwell. And so it starts off and the Queen and the artist are talking about the, the artist uh, who's doing a portrait. I'm not sure what artist it's supposed to be. I'm not up on my artists. And they're talking about the, the, the general election. So it starts in 1997. And, you know, the artist... The Queen says, oh, I'm not entitled to vote, which actually is untrue. She is entitled to vote. She just chooses not to. And obviously, England, Great Britain, United Kingdom, it's a constitutional monarchy. So that's why it's her or His Majesty's government, depending on the King or Queen of the day. And obviously, we go to... Stop saying, obviously. I hate that. Sorry if people keep... Uh, getting fed up of me using that word. I'm fed up of hearing it myself. And it starts off, it's May the 2nd, 1997. Uh, so we're at Buckingham Palace and the Queen's woken up by one of the maids, I presume. And it's been a landslide victory for the Labour Party under Tony Blair in the general election. And you hear the Queen say, oh yeah, he's, he's a hard one to read. Isn't he just... And, you know, he, he comes across as very modernising. And Cherie, she, you know, she's said to have anti-monarchist tendencies, which is a nice way of putting it. And, you know, Blair's quite nervous to meet the Queen, because obviously, using obviously again, 
And again, when a new government is elected in England, the Prime Minister or the Prime Minister-to-be has to go and meet the Queen because the Queen has to ask him or her to form a government in her name. And obviously they meet up and you get the impression that Blair's quite nervous. He understand, you know, he understands how important, you know, what a moment this is. Cherie's a bit more kind of, you can tell she's not too pleased about tradition and that kind of thing. And so we've got obviously the royal pro- the royal protocol. So there's a set of rules when you go to see the queen. You can't show her your back, your bow or curtsy. You think it's your majesty the first time you meet her. Then it's ma'am as in jam, not ma'am as in farm. Be hard for somebody from, I mean, <laughs> I've never called anybody ma'am apart from my ma'am. And obviously she mentions that he's her 10th prime minister. Obviously her first was Winston Churchill. And she explains that her role is to advise, guide and warn the government of the day. And Blair begins to ask her, I've won an election, I'd I'd like to form a government. And she says, no, no, Mr. Blair, I asked the question. And she says, I, I invite you to form a government in my name. And he obviously, she's like, this is the part where you say yes, Mr. Blair. He's very nervous. And we find out through archive footage that Princess Diana, or the former Princess Diana, I should say, because at this point she's divorced Charles and she's no longer a HRH, which is her royal highness. Is it? Yes. She no longer has that title. And she's obviously dating Mohammed Al-Fayed, the son of Dodi Al-Fayed, who owned Harrods at the time, and an awful lot of other things. And then it, it goes to the 30th of August, 1997, in Paris. And what happens is that Diane is involved in a car crash. Blair gets told... Um, the Queen obviously gets walking in the night and told that uh, first off that she's been badly injured, but later that unfortunately she's passed away. Um, Roger Allen plays Roger Janvin, who is the private secretary of the Queen. But an interesting fact, he actually wasn't her secretary at this point in 1997. He was like the undersecretary or something. But I, I presume they chose to kind of make one role, role not two. Instead of having him and the private secretary, they thought, well, we'll just simplify it. Films do that sometimes. It, it makes sense. And Charles, who's played by Alex Jennings, who, funnily enough, went on to play Edward VIII in The Crown, and he did a great job in that. Uh, Roger Allen, the British actor who plays the Queen's private secretary, he's he's been in absolutely all sorts. He's never off the television. He's currently in Endeavour, which is the prequel series to Moss. That's a good series. I was never a massive fan of Moss, but Endeavour's a beaut. And obviously Charles 
so yeah so anyway so we've got mark basely as alistair campbell obviously blair's kind of strategist the, the papers have said spin doctor before i think he's obviously an author a journalist tv personality could you call him now and he's you can tell they're very modern and they've kind of got the feel of the british public or at least they proclaim to whereas the queen is a little bit she comes across as a little bit disconnected at the beginning obviously charles tells his boys his and diana's boys that the other man has passed away so obviously the the queen's dealing with all this trying to so she goes to scotland to obviously protect her grandchildren understandable get them away from the press and she orders the tvs to be taken out and radios to be taken out of the nursery in their rooms and things like that the spencer family want a private funeral so the queen obviously follows their wishes she's no longer but i'm sorry diana's no longer a hrh and blair's very much saying you know should it be a private? he never leaves her alone in this film actually blair ringing her all the time she every time she sits down to you know have a cup of tea or slice of toast he's, he's there well he's, he's on the phone and she says to Blair, you know, this is a family funeral, Mr. Blair, not a fairground attraction. Because the 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 Queen is kind of do nothing, say nothing. The the and you can imagine what you can understand why, given how long she's been on the throne, that yes, it may seem huge now, but in time it you know, things calm down. But obviously Blair's saying, you know, I think I think it's a mistake. Not to her directly, but and Blair does a speech from Sedgefield, which was his constituency at the time. So he was Minister of Parliament for Sedgefield. And with Blair, you get the impression through the film, it's also carefully choreographed. It comes across as, you know, if he's speaking from the heart, I'm not, I'm not saying that he wasn't, but it comes across as he's speaking from the heart and it's all improvised, but it's not. It's very, very, very carefully managed. Very, very well managed. And obviously Charles is devastated. He goes to collect her body. And you could see there's this there's the clash between the way that Blair and his government and his inner circle are reacting to this and the way that the royal family, you know, the institution around them react. So the royal family and the protocols, they they strip by tradition and try and look at precedents, whereas the Blair's government, they're very much trying to react to what is going on. You know, you've got people coming down to London, leaving mounds and mounds of flowers outside Buckingham Palace. You know, and the, the grief starts to turn to anger. And Charles kind of agrees with Blair. You know, he says, my mother grew up in the war. That, that generation doesn't understand it. You know, the stiff upper lip attitude. And Blair's people are kind of you know, there's no precedence for the death of an HRH or a former a, a former HRH and Alistair Campbell is just like, I don't, uh, where did they find these people? But, but obviously they go from tradition and you've got, it's an interesting juxtaposition. So it's on the television where you've got, I think Nelson Mandela in archive footage 
and President Clinton again, our, our footage, um, you know, giving their condolences and paying tribute to Diana, and the Queen, the Queen Mother, and and Prince Philip are obviously just talking about deer hunting because, you know, that you can see they're all trying to process it, but they're an older generation, so that their way of you know you just got to get on with it. Somebody died and it's off, but you've just got to get on and get get on with it. Which may seem cold to modern audiences, but well, to, to people from nineteen ninety seven and modern modern audiences, but those generations that, with all what they've been through, you just had to get on with it, you know. And Alistair Campbell, he attends the meeting, so this public funeral. That the, the the meeting where they agree it's going to be a public funeral, so it's got people from you know all the different services, because it's a massive thing to coordinate. I think Blair mentions they've had to, they expect two million people to come to London, so they've had to borrow. Uh, borrow, sorry, borrow. They've had to borrow. Uh, like crash barriers, uh, uh from the French. Because they don't have enough. To, to cope with the influx of people into London. And you can, you know, Alistair Campbell's very cynical of the royal family. You know, he says, oh, some royal flunky will have been dispatched, groveling on all fours. And the Queen, obviously, has gone to Balmoral in Scotland with her family because she wants to protect her grandchildren. And... The this news reaches them that it's going to be a public funeral using plans for Tay Bridge, which is the coordinator for the Queen Mother's funeral. And the Queen Mother, uh, the, the, the Queen Mother's like, well, that I picked that out. I, I picked, you know, and they, they adapt it a little bit, you know, but, and the Queen seems just utterly confused by the public mood. What, you know, people crying in the streets. This, this is not how British people act. And you know, you see that obviously Charles has his private secretary call Blair, you know, and say, you know, we're both modern men, and make it and understands that the way the public understands the way that he sees much more clearly the reaction, and apparently Charles was terrified of being shot. Well, he says he isn't. It, they don't make an awful lot of it in this. That it's just a throwaway line. But when I've read up, apparently Charles was terrified and used to leave notes around so that his staff could see that he was terrified of being shot. He thought the anger about Diana's death would come back on him because of him and Camilla and all that kind of thing. And obviously the, the focal point for the anger is that there's no flag flying at half-mast of Buckingham Palace. So that's the Queen's residence in London. When she's there, or when the monarch of the day is there, the, the royal standard is flown above Buckingham Palace to show that the monarch's in residence. When the monarch isn't there, it's taken down. No other flag flies from the flagpole. So obviously she's not there. She's at Balmoral, so there's no flag. And obviously it's a tradition to... When somebody dies, you lower the flag to half masters as kind of a commemoration. And that becomes the focal point. Obviously, the media are whipping it up. And, you know, 
I think that you know Cherie Blair obviously she she calls them um and this is a quote by the way from the film she calls the royal family a, a bunch of freeloading emotionally retired nutters so not the most nuanced of uh, of lines there a little bit too on the nose and you know but Blair basically says to her look because this is when they're in Downing Street she he says to her nobody wants a republic they don't want it he's obviously talking about the British public no one wants it they won't wear it you know and the the Queen he, when Blair talks to the Queen again he rings her again and she actually I don't know if she's angry or she's just fed up at this point you know and she's she says you know I've been attending to my I'm attending to my grandchildren and you know she says restrained grief and sober private mourning we do things quietly and with dignity that's what the world has always admired us for and it's that difference she can't understand the reaction I think there's still because the reaction is is you know this mass outpouring of grief for the loss of Princess Diana which even now historians they con they're conflicted on what on earth, what exactly that was all about what was behind it and you can see the Queen's just not only is she trying to because it's inferred in this that her and Diana it didn't see eye to eye an awful lot. And in the film, she breaks down in a Jeep. Land Rover, sorry. And she, she kind of breaks down and cries. But that's shot very respectfully from a distance. And you only see her back. Because apparently the director thought that it would be disrespectful to show the Queen in that, in that kind of state. Something they also did in The Crown, actually in the the first series when King George the sixth sixth dies. You know, she, she cries and whenever she cries it's not you never see her cry. The reaction to her being told about that you don't see either. And which I th I think was the right decision in, in both cases. And obviously she was a mechanic during the war so she uses a mobile and rings the you know the some of her staff and she says you know i've broken down which to be fair when you read up on this she's always followed even when she's on her own she's got a royal protection squad never too far behind but i understand why they chose to show that that she she breaks down in the car first off and she has a chance to sit in these beautiful surroundings in scotland and she there's no one around and she she it finally kind of hits her. She has time to actually, well, she doesn't have to answer the phone to Blair for one, but she finally has time to just sit and think and, you know, and absorb what's, what's gone on. Because she admits later on, she's never been particularly good at death and that kind of thing. And there's a, there's a part where she sees um, a stag that the the Charles's boys and Diana's boys have 
and Prince Philip, that obviously their granddad has have been hunting on the estate, and she sees the stag come up to her and she looks at it and she it kind of calms her down again. And then the Queen finds out that that stag's been shot and killed. It's straight onto a nearby estate. And she goes and sees this well the the, the carcass of the animal. And she I think it's in that point where she, she realizes how quickly things could turn for the royal family. And this this and if this is something you're interested in, you know, the, the royal family. Obviously buy a history book first off, but if you if that's not really your thing, you know, then documentaries or if you'd like to be entertained, you know, and get the general gist of it but with a heavy smattering of um fiction, then watch The Crown. That's a, that's a good series. And you know, I, I was I was getting annoyed with her through parts of it. You know, Blair won't leave her alone. You know, he tells her that one in four support abolishing the monarchy altogether. And the Queen obviously is very, very shaken by this. She's always been the linchpin of the royal family. Since becoming Queen, obviously. I'm using obviously again. And again. And she says, you know, when you don't understand your people, maybe it's time to hand over. And the Queen Mother says to her that the issue won't be, the issue will be when you go, but we'll, you know, don't worry about that too much. And she mentions Blair and how she, you know, him and his Cheshire cat grin, which you can understand. I mean, I mean, Michael Sheen is a brilliant, I mean, he played Beth, uh, played Blair three times, played him in The Deal in 2003, in The Queen 2005. No, six, sorry. And then he played him again, I think was it 2010? Somewhere around there. In a film called The Special Relationship. Where he plays Blair again, obviously. Oh, obviously again. Oh, God. I'm going to ban that word. And Dennis Quaid plays President George W. Bush. Which I must, I must track those down and watch them. And, you know, she, she finally kind of realises that the mood's changed, something's changed, you know, with her peoples, and she she accepts Blair's suggestions that they lower the flag to half-mast, they come down to London as, as quickly as they can, because the, and the Queen makes a decision to get out of the car and meet with people, and a little girl, she goes up to the little girl and says, do you want me to put the flowers down for you? And this little girl says no, and the queen's like, oh, and she's taken her back a little bit for a second. And then the little girl says, no, ma'am, they're, they're for you. Which is based based on a real, well, no, it happened. It's it's a real a real life event that happened. Because I watched a documentary, and the, the mother and the daughter who gave the, the queen the flowers said, you know, they're for you, the, um, which I think... You can see the Queen's, although she's very stoic, you can see that how that affects her, both in the film and in the actual footage, the real footage. And it ends with, you know, things have calmed down. I think it's so many months later, things have calmed down. And 
Mr. Blair is because he the Prime Minister of the day has weekly meetings with the monarch. So she's having the weekly meetings. And at the beginning she keeps them to fifteen minutes with Blair. You get the impression she's kind of trying to work him out. And she she basically she she sticks to fifteen minutes because you know she she doesn't want to be rude, but she wants it done as quickly as she can. Whereas at the end she says, Oh, sh- should we take a walk, Mr. Blair? So they take a walk through the Buckingham Palace Gardens and she says, you know, it shook me that the last six months and the Blair says, Oh, you know, it was a it was surprising. And the Queen says, you know, yes, because you think one day it could be you. You know, and she says, it will, Mr. Blair. Quite suddenly and without warning. So she's basically saying to him, you know, the papers, the people could turn on you eventually. At which, if you know your history, they did. And it ends with the Queen and Blair walking through the gardens and she says, so what do you have planned for your first term in office? And th- yeah, that's where it ends. So it, it's a really, really good film. I hadn't seen it in an awful long time. I probably haven't watched that film since before I went to uni. Good 10 years, I don't think. Because I'd actually forgotten about it when it popped up. I thought, oh, I haven't watched that in ages. So I thought it would be a good film to, to watch, to review and recommend. So thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Sorry for using the word obviously all the time. It's, it's doing my own editing. If you could go over to Podchaser and leave a review for this podcast, I'd really appreciate it. It just gives me a chance to see what you guys are enjoying about about the podcasts. You know, something, you know, be honest. What, what do you like? What don't you like? What would you like to hear more of? Do you like the fact I go through the plot? Or in the case of No Time to Die's podcast, lose the plot. So if you could just leave any feedback there, that would be great. We will return with another film. I haven't decided what it's going to be yet. So I'll leave that as a nice surprise. Thanks for listening. Cheers.